Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, welcome back to The Pod Crashed. This week, we're telling the story of Philippine Airlines Flight 812. Thanks for listening. All right, I'm just going to say this for the people at home. (laughs) It's hot. So hot. I'm sure it's hot where you are, too, honestly. It's, it's... Oh, I mean, we'll talk about this for my fact, but oh my gosh, it's hot everywhere. I saw somebody, speaking of fact, I saw somebody bring up wet bulb temperature and I was like, oh, Oh. I know about that because of Mariah's fact. So, but we'll we'll swing back around to it. Oh, he's so good. But it's a million degrees and that it just might affect the episode, friends. So yeah, you get it. Yeah. They get it. Our friends get get it. it. It's good. You guys get it. You guys are great. Yeah. Oh, the best. Truly. Today, we're doing Philippine Airlines 812. Ooh. Okay. And we are going back to May 25th of the year 2000. Okay. Y2K, baby. Y2K. May 25th. I had yeah. someone ask me the other day, like, what the year is that we cover most and I was what, like, the year ranges Ooh. are. And I was like, man, we do a lot of recent ones. I have to tell you. I know. But I feel like <laughs> there's, but I mean, like statistically, obviously we would do a bunch of recent ones just because of how science and math and all of that works. Well, also because of my like desire to, if you keep going back too far, then there's more, more deaths. Just to right. Be very, very true. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to, I want to do stories that are, yeah, are not like that. Yeah. Sometimes. So yeah. Um, May 25th, the year 2000, I have just celebrated my ninth birthday. Happy birthday. You are getting ready for your ninth birthday. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. All right. What a good time. <laughs> um, uh, we're flying an A330, which again, super normal plane comes up in the show a lot because it's so common. Airbus, uh, big mid-range plane. You get it. Yeah. Uh, and we're flying from um, Davao. So Francisco, Bangoy, Davao is, is the name of the city. Francisco, Bangoy Airport yeah. in Davao in the Philippines. And we're flying to Manila. And it's around a little, a little under two hours. Okay. Like... In that kind of hour 45, two hour range. Uh, not too bad. A little flight. Just going from here to there. Mm-hmm. And there are 291 souls on board. So it's, it's full. We got a full plane here. Yeah. Um, 291 people. That's 278 passengers. 
three pilots and 10 cabin crew. Now there's three pilots and 10 cabin crew because this happens to be a day where they're doing the like competency spot check. So there's like a teaching pilot in the cockpit and there's two like teaching flight attendants on board and they're basically just doing a little little baby audit on everybody making sure they know what they're doing making yeah. answering questions checking up on them whatever uh and and yeah, are they nice. working in their capacity as pilots and flight attendants yeah or are they so are they the, just like overseeing the, the processes the I think that they're not so like the it's probably more different in the cockpit. So the actually the only pilot whose name I know is Butch Butch Honoroso, and that's a really good name. It's a great Butch name. Butch is <laughs> he is the like teaching pilot, and he's not physically flying the aircraft. He's like observing them, and okay. in the cabin where you're gonna have uh like obviously passengers don't necessarily know who's who you're like the the two teaching flight attendants are going to be doing some of the like you know if somebody like you know tugs on their wrist and asks for a drink i'm sure they're doing it but theoretically they're trying to stay um the two teaching uh flight attendants are francis and ida and Ida is hanging out mostly in the forward galley, like the forward little kitchen area. And Francis is hanging out mostly in the rear galley, the the kitchen in the back of the plane. So, uh, yeah, little not too long of a flight. Pretty full. Got some extra hands on board. Um, I feel nervous in situations like this where <laughs> someone is, you know, maybe looking over my shoulder. But yeah. uh, it's it's fine. Um, <laughs> so... They take off right around 2 p.m. And uh, flight's fine, honestly. It's fine. They're just flying along. No problem. It's normal day. Nice weather. It's all good. Uh, and they get around an hour and a half into their, like, hour and 50-minute-ish flight. Like, we're getting ready for landing. Uh, the pilots up front are, like, preparing the plane for landing. The flight attendants are preparing the cabin for landing. And in that, like, forward galley and the rear galley, uh, while they're, like, going through their processes to get everything ready for landing, uh, Ida and Francis are in their respective kitchens like giving some information mm. and like kind of checking just uh, the other flight attendants knowledge base. And in the front, they're actually talking about like what the procedures are. If there's a hijacking, it is May 25th, 2000, 9-11 has not happened yet. So the idea of a hijacking is scary, but not scary in the same way. It's not conceived of in the same way as it is now. And uh, they're just going over, yeah, what are the procedures? And the passengers are, you know, also getting ready to go wherever they're going. And uh, one passenger in seat 28G reaches into his backpack and pulls out a ski mask and pulls it over his head. And he reaches in and takes out goggles like just pool goggles and pulls them over his eyes grabs a gun 
mm. under a grenade. Jeez. Stands up and charges toward the front of the plane. Oh, no. He bursts through the curtain into the galley where Ida is telling the flight attendants about the protocol for if there's a hijacking. Bursts in, grabs one of the flight attendants, whose name is Margaret, points the gun at her and like orders, says like, this is a stick up, basically, like a bank robber. Yeah. And she like, obviously everyone is terrified. He's holding a grenade, like a. Like a, I don't know, a grenade that's scarier than a gun on a plane, right? And a gun pointing the gun at Margaret and demands that she like brings him up to the cockpit. He wants to get into the cockpit. Now, this was a time where the cockpit door would very often be open, but it happens to be locked today because they're doing the competency checks. So he starts to march her forward toward the cockpit door that's closed. Ida, the trainer, who is like literally in the moment telling this people in front of her what to do if there's a hijacking. Also, she's a human being who yeah. is at work and somebody with a ski mask and a gun and a grenade just walked off with one of her colleagues and like marched up to the cockpit. And Ida ugh, just she's one of two teaching flight attendants on this flight and she happens to be the less senior one and francis is the more senior one and he's at the back of the plane and she runs back to the rear galley and bursts in through the curtain and ah, explains to francis and the flight attendants back there what is happening and she like spits all of this information at him and francis freezes oh we're going to pause very briefly to talk about your fight, flight, freeze, friend response. Mm. I know people talk about it all the time as like fight or flight. For anyone who doesn't know, it's the idea that in a, an emergency, in a dangerous moment, before the front of your brain has any time to react or really think about what you're doing, the back of your brain is making that decision for you. Yeah. And it can be really, really confusing and hard to understand during and after but i don't want to skip because we talk about it in terms of fight or flight either you like fight off your attacker or you run away but if you can't fight the problem and you can't escape the problem the base of your brain will often aim for freeze and the freeze is basically the base of your brain looking at this situation and saying, I cannot fight and I cannot escape and I am going to be as still as possible. Try not to make anybody mad. Try to just handle this situation by like conserving my energy and trying not to make it worse. Okay. You don't have any control over it in the moment. It takes an incredible amount of training to even occasionally override what your brain reaches for in that moment so francis freezes and ida oh no because ida's her idea was to ask francis what to do right so this is a very 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 scary moment for these two people and okay francis okay he's the one who is like in charge of this situation basically he outside of the pilots in the cockpit he is the most senior person on board Oof. 
he starts to walk toward the front of the plane. At the cockpit door, which is closed, Reggie, our boy, the hijacker, Reggie with his ski mask and his goggles, Reginald Chow, we're just going to call him Reggie, (laughs) Reggie is pushing this gun into Margaret's ribs Mm -hmm. and screaming through the cockpit door, demanding they let him in. And it's just a flat no. They're just not going to open the door. Yeah. Period. Period. It's just not happening. So that's making Reggie angrier and angrier. And Margaret, the flight attendant, can smell the alcohol because Reggie has been drinking. And Reggie got on this flight today to do this but he has spent the last two hours or last hour and a half drinking Mm. trying to whatever get the courage to do it talk himself out of it i don't know it would be really hard for me to imagine the headspace that would get you to this point it seems like alcohol would help right so reggie is angry Reggie is in despair. Reggie has half a plan. It is the year 2000, and in 1993, Reggie worked with his father at a corn mill. That was their family business. They milled corn in Davao, or uh, in the Philippines. And they had a pretty good business going, and his father was murdered. And Reggie has believed, he has believed for the last seven years that the people who murdered his father was, were business rivals who wanted to like cut out the competition. Mm. And Reggie feels like the cops didn't do anything to like investigate or prosecute his father's murder. He saw in their village the people who he believes murdered his father just walking around free he saw the cops not doing anything to to find justice for his father and less than a year ago reggie's wife left him for someone else yeah took the kids Reggie wants to get the fuck out of this village. He wants to get his family out of this situation. He doesn't want to have to look at the cops who ignored his father's murder. He doesn't want to look at the people he believes murdered his father. He wants out. And this is the plan he came up with. Uh, So Reggie is here at the front of the plane, banging on the door of a cockpit that is absolutely not going to be unlocked and pressing a gun and a grenade into this woman who's just at work. And Mm. Francis gets up to the front of the plane. And when he gets up to the front of the plane, Reggie sees him and just turns the gun on him. Francis had to work up every drop of courage he had in his body to walk from the back of the plane to the front of the plane. And now he has arrived and now the gun is pointed at him and he freezes again. And I don't blame him one bit, Yeah, but he freezes again. And Reggie, there's, it's a very chaotic situation for everybody. Reggie points the gun at Francis and he's yelling and screaming at him to open the door and he's going to blow the plane up. And and Francis is 
can hear him, his, his brain kind of comes back online and he can hear him. And Reggie has, there's, he's speaking in Tagalog, which is like the most common language in the Philippines, but the accent, the accent, like Francis is listening to him speak and his accent sounds, his accent, Francis thinks that Reggie's accent sounds like his mom's accent. Oh. It's his Francis's mother speaks Cebuano, which is just a, a regional language in the Philippines. Yeah. And the accent that Reggie is speaking in sounds like that. And Francis just goes for it. And he says in Cebuano, you're my brother. Don't let anything happen to our flight. Don't hurt anyone. Tell me your problem and I'll help you. Oh, my gosh. And Reggie answers in Cebuano, I need money. Oh. Money. I need money. Uh. And, and Francis says, like, man, if you money, okay. And, like, we reaches got into his wallet. Yeah, you want money? I got money. And, like, reaches into his wallet, pulls out all the money he has in his wallet, and says, like, here, here. You need money? We got money. People on the plane got money. Is money what you want? We don't have to blow anybody up. We don't have to shoot anybody. Money, fine. And Francis, pick, like Reggie takes the money and, and Francis picks up the intercom and says over the intercom, there's somebody who is in desperate need of money. If anyone would like to make a voluntary contribution, the flight attendants will be coming down the aisles to take some money you want money okay yeah right. let's get you some money now the passengers it's a very 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 full plane yeah and so some of like some of the passengers know that something is happening yeah some of the passengers know that somebody on the plane has a gun and a ski mask some of the passengers don't know anything so they make this this very strange announcement i don't know yeah. what I have no idea what anyone on earth would think listening to that, but okay. And so some of the passengers, whatever, it's a holdup and they pull out like all of their money and the flight attendants kind of start to go down the aisles, just like gathering money from people. Some of the passengers, because sometimes you don't want to give somebody your money. Right, <laughs> and so yeah. Some of the passengers are like, whatever they got their move for situations like this and are like hiding most of their money and then like oh no look i only have a little bit of money but whatever yeah. whatever you want money reggie we'll get you some money that it, no one's gotta die nothing bad has to happen let's get you some money and so the flight attendants are going like down the aisles enjoying these voluntary contributions or whatever receiving them and francis is drunk and in an extremely oh, no. just altered state, Ugh. emotionally, physically, yeah. mentally. And he's like yelling and he still wants to get back into the cockpit. He's still banging on the cockpit door. He's still pointing the gun at Francis, but he's starting to like wave his arms more like erratically. And he's screaming into the cockpit that he wants to go. He wants the pilots to fly back to Davao and he wants to punish the cops there for not for not oh, no. investigating his father's murder and he's like flailing and the gun goes off 
The gun goes off. It doesn't hit anybody. It just goes into the bulkhead. But now the fear and the terror and the confusion is just ramped up that much more. Yeah. And they, the flight attendants who are in the back who can't see what's happening, they don't know if anyone's hurt. And the flight attendants who are up at the front of the plane know that no one's hurt yet, but they just watched him just inadvertently shoot his gun. And the the chaos of the situation is increasing. The pilots in the cockpit, they don't know. They just know that a gun went off. And right. they're circling over Manila now. And they just basically yell back through like, well, we, we it, whatever, gun or not, explosion or not, we literally can't make it back. It's, it's off the table. We don't have enough fuel. That is not an option, even if you blow up the plane. It's just not... It's not possible. This plane cannot make it that far right now. And so Reggie is just, oh, gosh. They, they, flight attendants bring the money up to the front of the plane, whatever they've gathered. And Francis is, is watching all this happening. He's gathering everything up and, Reggie orders Francis to go back to where Reggie had been sitting, 28G. He says, go back to my seat and bring me my backpack. And Francis does it. He just walks back, grabs the backpack, carries it to the front of the plane, doesn't know what's going to be in it. And when he brings it to the front of the plane, the flight attendants bring all the money up. Reggie starts to like root around in his bag and pulls out a purple homemade parachute oh my god okay a purple homemade parachute and he says teach me how to jump out of a plane okay because reggie is not ever it's not I don't know, guys. Reggie, this is the plan that we're working with, okay? This is the... He's got... He did it. He made a homemade parachute, but he doesn't know how to skydive, and we're on a commercial plane with almost 300 people on board. Okay, so Francis and the other flight attendants who are up there just share whatever information... It's not, it's not like a regular part of commercial aviation, right? Like, it's not... They are not experts on skydiving at all right Right. there it's there's not going to be i know sometimes we've got like fun twists where like somebody was like in the 81st airborne or whatever no like they're just regular flight attendants god bless them and so they're like okay and they like start to explain what they know about it and i've never skydived skydove i've never done that (laughs) but the the there's like a rip cord right you know i know that part right you pull it and I think the purpose of that in skydiving, like recreational skydiving, is so you like enjoy the fall part of it and then Mm. you pull it. But it is also like necessary because if you just jump out of a plane and your parachute's already out, then your parachute is going to get like sucked into the engine, right? Right. You have to be away from the plane before whatever. Our boy Reggie does not 
didn't know that it doesn't have a ripcord it's not included in his homemade oh boy parachute okay but you know flight attendants are fucking problem solvers and so they go to you know the little little curtains that block off first class and like the kitchen and all of that yeah Uh, they go and the curtains are have like a little tie right so that they can have them open or close they just cut the the tie off the the curtain and just are like here's your cord and like (laughs) try to like add it to the parachute and so they add it to the parachute they explain like okay like jump out of the plane count to like four or whatever i don't know because i don't skydive but like (laughs) just give it a minute and then pull the ripcord and then and then i don't know it's your own ingenuity my dude you made the parachute so you got to figure it out speed yeah but like also this is a this is an a330 this is a commercial plane full of people what are you talking about like how what how are you gonna do this how are you going to do this? How are you going to do this, Reggie? And Reggie says, like, we got to open the door. That's how I'm going to do this. Oh open God. the door. And, okay, um, so can the door open, right? Can, in literal terms, can you physically open the door? Um, definitely not at altitude, for sure, right? right? This aircraft turns out, if it is low and slow enough, so you're below 10,000 feet, depressurized and the plane's going slowly enough the door it is possible for the door to physically be opened right oh so whatever that mechanism is so reggie says that's what we're doing i guess so let's go and uh takes francis and pushes the grenade into francis's neck <gasps> and the gun into his ribs and marches him to the rear of the plane to the furthest back door. Oh my gosh, they're really going to push this dude out of a plane. <gasps> and they get back there and oh they're looking God. out the window and they have like the the phone to talk to the pilots and Reggie is like looking out the window cuz they they okay, like let's low and slow like whatever you know the drill pilots and so they they get down to below 10,000 feet like just below 10,000 feet and that's they can depressurize the plane and like everyone can still breathe but Reggie is like looking out the window and no 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 thank you yeah he says like let's get lower and so they go lower and they get down to 7,000 feet. And Reggie's like, no, lower. Like, it's just lower than this. And so they get down to just under 6,000 feet. And that's where Reggie is like, okay, I'm doing this. And he orders Francis to open the door. <gasps> now, the plane is depressurized. So when this door gets opened, there's not going to be that like ex- like explosive, catastrophic depressurization, but they are going almost 300 miles an hour. Right. Like the plane, like slow is not slow. And the amount of like wind is going to be extreme and you're not supposed to do this. And they're not opening the door like in the like South African flight that we talked about where they open the door just a crack mm. like this. They need it to be open, open right. for Reggie to jump out of it with his homemade parachute. And so they, they like Francis, 
is in serious danger of getting like blooped yeah. out, not sucked out by the pressure, but but blown out of the plane. And Francis like doesn't have anything to hold on to, and he's got to physically be there. And he he there's the jump seat right, so the, for the flight attendants to sit in. And he like loops his arm and oh shoulder like around the shoulder harness of the jump seat, and like loops that around. And then like physically, he can reach the door. And the pilots make the little ding that it's ready and you can open it. And he opens it. And when he opens it, the door, the, the force of the wind just rips the door off mm. completely and just fucks off into nowhere. No yep. more door. Bye. Bye. Not a problem. Door's out of the way. And <sighs> it pulls, like it pulls and lifts Francis right up off his feet, but the his his grip with his shoulder on the harness does keep him in the plane, and he's able to like pull himself back into the jump seat, and he like looks at Reggie to like I don't know behold this, and Reggie has like physically backed up all the way to the opposite side of the plane oh so just pressed his because it's extremely scary right it's extremely scary and he almost watched francis just get blown right off the plane and it's just not that good of an idea like reggie this was not a good no. idea my dude it wasn't and so reggie is is pressed up against the the wall of the plane and just looking at the door and francis Francis could have just died. Francis yeah. has been our absolute hero. Okay. Francis is a champion. Yeah, Francis truly looked at a man holding a gun and called him my brother. Francis is like, you want money? We got money. Like money. Sure. Like he, Francis is amazing. But Francis is also like, you better fucking jump, Reggie. Right. I just almost died for you. Yeah. Like, but he doesn't say it like that. He says like. You may now exit the plane. <laughs> like, just like very like, thank you for flying with us today. Like, enjoy your stay. Oh like, my gosh, it's you're good. And Reggie, like kind of whatever, gathers himself and like steps forward toward the door, but he's not holding anything. And the wind is just whipping around this cabin like a tornado and they're in the back close so they're in like the part right next to where the wind is like coming and going and so they're in like the absolute like vortex of wind and the wind like picks reggie up and like shoves him toward the door but reggie is trying to not get pulled off and somehow it like the wind pulling and reggie pushing and it like the top half of Reggie's body gets like out of the plane, but the bottom half of his body is still inside the plane. It's still attached. He did not get ripped in half. This is hard to explain, but he's like folded so that his legs are his nothing's Mm. touching the floor. Yeah. His legs are off the floor and inside the plane. And then his middle is like folded around the door frame and his head and arms and upper body are outside the plane. Okay. And so he that's oh my gosh uh but so francis is sitting francis it's so weird but francis is sitting right there next to a window and through that window he can see he can see reggie's face 
and he can see that in his hand he is still holding the grenade he still has the grenade in his hand and francis is like oh my god if he like lets that grenade go or like blows it up if he decides like then this is we're all gonna die and francis god bless him just like grabs reggie's legs and just like bloop and like shoves him out of the plane (gasps) and then he like grabs the phone and lets the pilots know like reggie's gone and he they uh land at manila and everybody on board the plane lives and i truly thought that reggie was gonna push francis out the plane out of the plane I'm so glad he didn't. Oh my god, I was not expecting. Oh. Francis. One of Francis. So Francis, Francis has a family. Francis, the first thing he does is like probably the very first thing he does is like get questioned, right? But the yeah. first thing he wants to do, the first thing he chooses to do is to like hug his kids. Oh my god, and his yeah. His wife and just like, "Oh my gosh, like just be alive and and just unfathomable but the second thing he does is he goes to confession because francis is a man of faith and he goes to confession and he's like am i am i is is that i pushed him out of the plane like i did that and again on a human level it's very hard this is it's a it's a very wacky story yeah and francis explain let me me start from the beginning oh yeah yeah this is the situation father like he like lays it all out to the priest and the priest is like you're you're good kid like it's okay thank god no sins were committed here like you're you're good yeah and just blooped him out it's okay you just i mean oh my gosh and Oh, well, I mean, this is truly deeply a story about like the base of your brain making decisions for you. Right. Like deeply. Yeah. Yeah. Because the other thing is like he if okay, let's say he was like, okay, let me try and save this dude. He's folded in half. Mm. He's like Mm -hmm. a ladder owl or whatever with the door frame. Right. Yeah. Let me try and bring him back in. He's definitely getting sucked out with him. Francis is definitely getting sucked out with him. It's so some serious, very serious danger of that. Yeah. Like not. No, like, oh, man. And he like Reggie, my dude, my brother, you brought the grenade, the grenade. You brought a grenade onto a plane and you pushed it into Francis's neck and you used tried to you. You yeah, you made some really bad decisions today. Made some bad decisions. You made some bad decisions. And you're, drunk. And you're so drunk. And okay, but he, please. If okay, do we know what happened with his body? Yeah. Okay. So they four days later they found Reggie's body. Reggie did not survive. The money and like valuable possessions that he had with him were not recovered and it's just like not known what happened to it but reggie 
um, the parachute just, it didn't work. So he died. Yeah. And, oh, and I, I'll say, no, go ahead, don't interrupt. I was you. just going to say, th- how, I guess you have to pull the thing, but it's amazing to me that the grenade didn't blow up. Like, that's initially I what I thought you were yeah. going to say is that he was going to try and pull him back in because he was too scared that the grenade would blow up on somebody below them. He was afraid it would blow up right then and there right. where they were in the air. Right. And the, I don't know. I, I don't know how grenades work necessarily. I don't know the intricate details of grenades. I know you have to pull the pin, right? But Right. And I guess if the pin just, <laughs> just wasn't pulled, there's that. But also, I feel I might be wrong about this. I'm very much under the impression that grenades are unreliable. I don't know if that's true. Mm. Maybe I think that because of it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> I don't know. But I'm very much under the impression that they are not like... That maybe they're, especially whatever grenade you like have access to. Right. That's not necessarily going to be reliable. But maybe it was a toy grenade. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And that, that. Gosh. It's very. It's. I don't want to. This is a terrible thing to do. This was a terrible, this was not, this was a series of very, very, very poor choices. And I guess I just think about how your brain can just be so twisted by like tragedy and despair and depression and yeah, lack of money. Like let's not, pretend like it's all psychological or all like money is relevant yeah and being poor or having like not having enough money yeah is something that drives people to do some terrible things right yeah but i'm extremely glad that everyone yeah on board um lived and i guess there's just i don't know and nothing happened to the plane besides the door yeah the plane kept flying the plane they put a new door on it they actually like re-registered it they like gave it a new registration number i guess just and I don't know. Did Francis pass his test with fucking gold stars? Because I hope so. Francis was one given the test, but he passed. <laughs> oh right, like, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he passed. Like, he passed the test. it. Yeah. Oh, Francis. Oh, God. Francis. Oh boy. I mean, frankly, also like Butch and the other pilots, because yeah. that. Again, this is pre-9-11, so there are pilots who would have opened the cockpit or pilots who would have, like, handled that differently, and it cannot be, there's no easy decision in that, in that position, right? Like, there's no, it's not easy to say no, especially after you heard the gun go off and you don't know if, like, Right, if anyone's okay, like. Right. Jeez. And it's not easy, certainly not easy to open the door either, but like, 
Oh, whoa. But everybody did. I mean, the pilots also, frankly, landed the plane with a door missing. Yeah. Like, that's also... I found very little information about that part of it, but they did. They did. They did it. They, like, like, kept that plane going. Do we know how long they had to fly without the door? Because that must have been so so loud. Yeah. The total flight time, like, from takeoff to finally, finally landing was about two and a half hours. And the, if the door, my, I don't know this, but if I have understood what I've read, I think probably in the 20 minute range. Jeez. Um, Because they were in the Manila like area. Right. Um, But they, yeah. I mean, yeah, it would hurt your ears so bad. And then, yeah, just all of the normal stuff of being on a plane, all of just the regular, like with almost 300 people on board, you're going to go to the bathroom. Well, I guess you can't at the last 20 minutes anyways, but. But still, like you're going to have babies, you're going to have elderly people, you're going to have people who are like just nobody is enjoying this experience at all. But you're just going to have such a range. People who are terrified of flying. So many people people crying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It would just feel. And like whoever is just in the back of the plane. Right. If you're just you just got whatever 49 F or whatever. And (laughs) you're just like right I don't know. By the door. I don't know. Hoping not to get sucked out. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that is, that is the story of Philippine Airlines 812, 812, whatever you want to call it. That is wild. I don't know. It's, it's wild. Truly, truly crazy. And yeah. Yep. I hope you got a raise yep. for real, for real. Francis. Yeah. I know. And I was thinking like the, the people who, um, donated did, uh, not like the actual, I hope nobody put like their wedding ring in it, oh my but, God. um, but the, the, it wasn't recovered and it's like not clear. We're going to just brush past police corruption <laughs> and we're going to acknowledge that it is a global phenomenon yes and then we'll keep going we keep (laughs) rolling but um that like it's not known if it just like if other if it just like whatever if people just found it and kept it or if the cops found it with his body and kept it or if like it was scattered and people who have no idea they just like find a bill and keep it right but the, I mean, obviously Philippine Airlines had to like pay up, you know, some money to the people. So hopefully insurance, everyone turned a profit, I guess. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right hopefully. Right, but, right. um, I don't know, man. Damn, that, yeah. That's tough. It's a crazy, crazy story. But yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I'm glad everyone survived. Uh, me I mean, too. On board. Right. I know. Stuff. I wish Reggie had survived. I know. But I I just, I wish he hadn't, I wish, I wish he hadn't done it. I wish I wasn't yeah. telling this story. And I wish that his father hadn't been murdered. And right. I don't know what happened in his marriage. I don't want to like weigh in on something I literally know nothing about. Yeah. But yeah. Right. I mean, I don't know. We could talk. I, I could like just imagine scenarios along those lines forever. But oh, yeah, the exactly, other thing is right. like if. 
yeah, if you're married to somebody and their father is murdered and they like. You become like like obsessed with it, essentially. Right. If you're lost, if they're like lost to that grief or like just depressed, it's really, I don't want to make excuses. I have no idea. Like I don't have the foggiest idea what happened in his marriage, obviously, but I guess I just think, I don't know. We're, we're all, I don't know. We're all just people. Right. Exactly. um, At the end of the day, like, I think it's, I think it's easy to take the route of like, God, what an asshole, like, you know, fucking terrorist or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's easy to take that route and it's harder to kind of analyze what causes people to act that way and what, what situations cause your brain to automatically react in a lot of ways too. you know, like I think even with Francis just being able to react, you know, in the moment, in the circumstances Mm -hmm. that he did. um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. There's just like a lot of just compassion and, and um, I guess wonder like across the board of what the whole context was, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm Hmm. Yeah. Because I, I yeah. really, I really like appreciate that point about poverty being a factor, you know, like, um, it just is, it just is, it just yeah, is. it just, yeah. it is. We've created a world where people who don't have enough resources, I mean, quite literally can't survive. Um, yeah, like we don't have, I mean, this is a whole topic, but <laughs> Like, sure I, you know, we just don't have like a fundamental human right to, to live without this added piece, you know? Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. you don't have access to all of those things, you don't get a life, <laughs> you know? Well, that's, that's like the idea of the, right. Like the idea of like the social contra- contract and like, if you have, if you experience a, not just a tragedy, but a tragedy at the hands of somebody. Yeah. Like yeah. your father didn't just die, but he was murdered. murdered. Yeah. And if you believe that he was functionally murdered for being successful in his business, and if you feel like the people who are supposed to do something about that have not, like that yeah. is like the social contract, right? Whatever you, your, the agreement to like live in society, right? That we are a part of. Yeah. Like your, like has not been upheld for you. If you exactly. believe it has not been upheld for you, yeah. then some people do feel like, well, then I'm not going to honor my side of it. Yeah. Like I'm not going to play by the rules if the rules are, if if when it's other people's turn to play by the rules mm-hmm. to help me, they don't do it. Exactly. You know? right. Like the you broke the rules, so the rules are uh, garbage. Yeah. And I'm just going to do what I want to do. And I'm not saying that to make an excuse. I'm no, just saying that because not. it is it just is a reality. Yeah. That people experience. Um, right. It's more it's like, not, how can we prevent this type of thing? economically to happen you know what i mean like how can we minimize these Mm 
um, like the, the only word that this sounds so ridiculous, but the only word that keeps coming up is like the social determinants of health and, mm-hmm. and like, you know, mm-hmm. all of these social aspects of aspects of your life impact your health, but they also impact your social life as well. Like your social being as well. It's, yeah. it's, it's a twofold thing. And then when you're, when your health you know, you can't address your health issues. Like, yeah, I won't, yeah. we won't go into it too much, but. But what could we do now? Anyway, we'll leave it alone, but, but it is just, <laughs> it is, right. it is hard. And like that. It's a different podcast. <laughs> it's a different podcast. It's a different podcast. Yeah. But, um, is your fact about wet bulb temperature? It's about temperature. I want to hear it. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of sad. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I am not going to pretend like I understand everything about climate change. I am mm, not the person to okay. ask for reference about climate change. Just putting that out there. I understand it on a very basic level. With that being said, uh, I've been reading a lot about it lately. And mm. um, an interesting uh, kind of chain of articles from a bunch of different sources came out today about how July is the hottest month on record ever since obviously we've been tracking weather. Um, but Mm -hmm. also the estimation is that it's been the hottest month on record in 120,000 years. Wow. And. Oof. Not great. Not good, guys. It's not good. <laughs> not good. Um Oh, it's not good. Yeah. Um like and it's it's yeah. selfishly, one hundred percent selfishly, aside the human race thing, like all of human beings, aside from all of that, selfishly, we need to get it under control because I can't fucking do these hot summers anymore. Like Mm-mm. holy shit. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I get hot in the in the winter. Like, let's we need to. I my I don't know how to use technology, as you know very well, Mariah. <laughs> and um, so my iPad still the weather thing on my iPad is still New York City. Oh yes. And like earlier today, I just saw it, and it was like ninety eight degrees yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and again but it's longer right so like yep. okay when you and i were children my recollection that i should verify <laughs> would not just repeat it because nobody is that good at remembering the finer details of their childhood right but like my recollection is that there were basically two like really hot weeks of summer yes. up and this is up in like the you know whatever buffalo rochester area exactly it'd be like two really hot weeks and that was but it. the rest of the time it was mild and yeah. pleasant frankly um that's not how it's been right. since i've been back um and new york city is as far as i can tell the hottest place in the world oh um and i'd say that even though i know <laughs> that there is actually more earth south of new york city yeah did you know that that's the real fact for today it's, that is the fact for today 
there is more there's even more america that's the real that's the real (laughs) tricky thing to absorb but yeah it's (sighs) i don't know and like i know we you know we beat a dead horse like whatever oh but it is hot (laughs) and honestly like this is an aviation podcast and there's no question that like aviation specifically is an industry Mm -hmm. that it's kind of like okay like refrigerators i don't know all of you if you truly from the bottom of my heart i love so much when you send pictures and if after this episode any of you send me a picture of your refrigerator i would be so excited and happy but like refrigerators washing machines like the big appliance stoves ovens whatever those are like the big appliances that you don't you have them for a long time right so like there's not a ton of the like if you make like a big change to the efficiency of it it's still going to be a long time before right most refrigerators are more efficient for and i'm not telling anybody like don't throw out your fridge to buy a new more efficient fridge no, like no, no, you know no, no. don't do that no. if your old fridge works so same with like planes <laughs> right planes there's a exactly, lot it's yeah. one of the cool things about planes that they can last a long time mm-hmm. um but as you know, as we like build new aircraft and as like we keep, you know, obviously putting energy and, um, you know, innovation and pressure <laughs> onto the people in charge of those things mm-hmm. to try to make them as um, fuel efficient as possible. Yeah. We'll see how much of this makes it into the episode. It'll I be think. fun. It'll be a fun one to edit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, Clip. We'll just I drop so, like so clips much. of it. Yeah. <laughs> Clips, with no yeah. context yo just oh my gosh just place it well that's okay so i don't know if this will happen tonight you don't have to answer this now mariah but i think we're, we're we are actually gonna do like an episode of updates and stuff so we can have a little yeah. chit chat yeah. and actually say what's been going on so yeah um maybe you've already heard that maybe you'll hear it later i don't know <laughs> but i love you so much mariah. i love you too it's so From nice to record again Oh, so nice. So nice. So yeah. nice. I I love you. I love we love each and every one of you. Yes. Oh. Love you. Love you. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Pod Crashed. We so hope you enjoyed it. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us for any reason, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok, or you can email us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com. Thank you so much, as always, for being so gracious, so lovely. If you make art or music and you want to send it to us, you want us to share it, go for it. If you have a picture of your backyard or your refrigerator or your animals, definitely want to see that. And uh, I don't know, one way or the other, we will uh, see you soon. Thanks for listening. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. 
That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder.